Well, again, good morning to each of you, and I'm very, very encouraged by the attendance that we have here today. Uh, this is the third Labor Day since I've uh, arrived here as the interim pastor, and each one of the Labor Days, uh, I've been the one speaking, and by far, this is the best uh, audience that we've had, and it's encouraging because as we go into the fall season and next week go to the two services, we trust that we'll have everybody kind of come back and be wonderful if the first service looked like this and the second service even was just packed out. So we look forward to that. In your Bibles this morning, I would invite you to turn to the 20th chapter of the book of Exodus. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one on the back of the chair and you can find the place on uh, page 61. And for all the kids, we're glad that you are with us this morning. And in the bulletin, there's a bunch of pictures and there's about four items, I believe, that you may not hear, but the rest of them you'll hear. When you hear those, circle them and see if you can uh, identify all the things that you'll hear uh, during this service. Now, I must confess that I feel a little intimidated uh, after hearing Pastor Joseph's description of this Sunday. I, I don't know what normal is. He said this is the last normal preaching uh, I don't think there's ever been anything normal about me and my preaching, but we'll try. Uh, Irma Rombach used to say, normal's just a setting on the dryer. So we'll go home and find normal. But for this morning, we want to uh, talk about anti-theft protection. You know, our world is full of protection against theft. Security alarms. We're concerned about identity theft now that we're in the computer age. We have video cameras to watch and measure when we're away from home and even while we're asleep, what takes place. We have night guards at plants and hospitals. We have watchdogs. We have GPS tracking for automobiles in case it's stolen. Even around the world and other places, there's always concern for theft. In uh, some of my travels overseas, uh, you'll see a lot of uh, buildings that will have uh, all the windows with bars, just like what you would see uh, in a jail cell. Uh, the one that I thought was the most inventive is where they build these walls around the house and at the very top of the wall, they would put a layer of concrete. And then inside the concrete, before it would set up, they would take old glass bottles and they would just break them. And they would stick the shards into the uh, concrete. And once it set, it was a deterrent for people climbing over the wall. So it's not just America. It's everywhere around the world that there's this concern for theft. I read this uh, one amazing story about an air conditioning business. I don't know if you're aware of this, but they are frequently the victims of theft, uh, in large part due to the high price of copper. And this uh, air conditioning business had been robbed four times in one year. Everything they did failed to work until somebody came up with the idea of putting rattlesnakes in the building. So they bought seven rattlesnakes and put it in. They were never robbed again. So if you want to try that, 
uh, you're welcome to uh, borrow that idea. There's only two words in the original language. And no matter what translation you pick up or even paraphrase, it all boils down to simplicity. You shall not steal. Now, Martin Luther had a, a wonderful statement that I think would help us to understand who the guilty parties are and who the innocent parties are. He said, if all thieves were to be hung to the gallows, the world would be desolate and would be without both executioners and gallows. In other words, we're all guilty. It just comes natural for us to want to steal, to take what is not ours. Now up to this point, we're at the eighth one, which happens to be the last one in our series, but this eighth one prior to this came with a death penalty. Now death penalty could be imposed, but in most cases restitution was the answer for violating this eighth commandment. I want to first identify what theft is by explaining it. The scriptures are very clear that there is a right for property ownership. And that would be a, a separate message all of its own to just kind of cover the fact that it's okay to own property. But in owning property, there's people who want something for nothing. So I want to give an opening definition for what stealing would be. It's the seizure by stealth or by force, the possessions or rights of another for our own benefit without permission. So let me read that once again because there's a lot of components that go in to what it means to steal. The seizure by stealth or by force. So it doesn't matter whether you sneakily do it or whether you do it by a, a stick up with a gun. You take the possessions or rights of another. And again, the Bible clearly establishes the, the ownership. However, there is a stewardship involved. I, I recall the story of George Mueller who was robbed and they took all of his money and I can't remember all five, but he went home and he thanked the Lord for five things. But one of the five things that he thanked the Lord for is that while they took all I had on me, they didn't take everything that I am. And I remember another one is I'm thankful that it was not me that was stealing, but it was me that was being taken from. And we are stewards, and God gives us this uh, ownership of things on earth and yet people sometimes for their own benefit without any permission will seize by force or stealth what belongs to others. Now the Bible is full of evidence of theft. And I'd like to just cover three that are kind of in the first category. The very first theft that occurred in human history occurred in the Garden of Eden. God said that you can have from all the fruit except that particular tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so when Eve and then Adam took of the fruit, they stole something that did not belong to them. And the reason for that is because they wanted 
something that didn't belong to them. The second example in the Bible is that of Achan. It might not be the first sin once they got into the land, but it's the first recorded sin that we have when they entered the land. I'd like to read the story of Achan. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and the bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. I mean, we're talking about a hunk of money. I don't know if uh, Shinar was the, you know, the big boutique of the day, but it evidently was something that caught his attention. And you add up all the, the, the poundage of uh, silver and shekel, he really took a, a big sum. But he said, I coveted them and took them and see they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. It fits the description that the Apostle John gave when he said that there is the desires of the flesh, the desires of our eyes, and then there's the lust of, or the pride of life. When we take something, we're taking what doesn't belong to us. The third example, and again, it might not be the first sin that happened in the early church, but it's the first recorded one, that of Ananias and Sapphira. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? Now, the, the backdrop to this is they had promised to give all, but only gave part. And you've lied about it, but you've stolen. Which again, as we've pointed out throughout this series, that these are sort of interconnected. You know, we can make an idol of something, and all of a sudden we want to take it. And once we take it, we want to lie about it. And they're all interconnected in some way, and the law is a beautiful thing, and it illustrates how intricately our sinful hearts reach out to take other things. The passage goes on to say, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. These uh, three illustrations point out to us that mankind doesn't need to go to a seminar to learn how to lie or steal or to make an idol. It comes natural. And why does it come natural? Why is it that we don't have to sit down and teach a child to steal from the cookie jar? Uh, I remember a story, and I, I believe I may have shared this story before, that I remember my grandmother on my, uh, my dad's side of the family, she used to tell this story when we were very little about this little boy that, that took something and the reason she was telling this story is because one of us three boys, me, had taken something from the table when she said not to, and that was a biscuit. Now, she made wonderful biscuits. Oh, my. The, the one regret that, that we have, uh, my grandmother, the one I'm speaking of, she passed away several months before we were married, and we had this plan of getting my wife to spend some time with her. Uh, 
I mean, chicken dumplings, oh my word, I mean, it's just out of this world. Well, anyhow, I was at the table and I had taken a biscuit when she said, wait until we have prayer. And so I took the biscuit. I stole it. It wasn't mine for that period of time. And I slapped some butter on it, and then she turned around. She said, did you take a biscuit? And I said, no. And I had it back here. And she looked down at the floor, and she said, well, what's that dripping on the floor? Busted. The butter had revealed that I had taken now, she didn't have to teach me to do that. It just comes natural. And I found this scripture in the Gospel of John that I think helps us. The enemy of our soul, that's what he's about. In John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I've worn this phrase out, but maybe you'll remember this from Warren Wiersbe. At the heart of every problem is the problem of the heart. And so stealing is something that takes what doesn't belong to us, receiving something for nothing, and it happens in so many different ways. So I want to kind of chronicle some examples, and this is probably the part of the service where you might wiggle a little bit. I'll wiggle a little bit with you with my biscuit that drips on the floor. So I have a long list. Looting. How many times have we seen where there's a big flood, a hurricane, or a riot, and people just rush in and they take things from stores that doesn't belong to them. Ponzi scheme. Kidnapping. That's the stealing of people. Uh, and I might just mention here this, this whole issue of, we call it today, trafficking. Sex trafficking. It's the stealing, the kidnapping of people and using them for very, very sinful purposes. Copyright. You may have noticed that all of the songs, if we uh, have a movie that's shown here, it is done the proper way and the proper funds are given for the copyright. Bank robbery. I read one story that was kind of humorous. This same bank had been robbed by the same person three consecutive times. And so when the FBI was pulled into it, they asked the, the person at the counter, they said, did you notice anything that you could describe to us about this person that was different? And she said, yeah. Every time he came in, the first time, the second time, and the third time, he was always better dressed. Okay, took a little while. Overcharging. I remember uh, the day of 9-11. I know exactly where I was at. I remember the phone call that came in, rushed into a room, and was able to, to pull in a, a channel uh, on TV. That was, I mean, we had internet, but it wasn't streaming or anything like that, and, and watch, and it was just like, you know, just in disbelief. Well, I had one of my children, uh, Sarah, that was down in Grand Rapids, uh, you know, over 100 miles away. Our son was over at the school, you know, and there's all this concern about how everybody is. But the one thing that stands out in my mind 
is it didn't take but a few hours for gasoline to more than double. This panic was taken advantage of by gouging. Plagiarism. I could tell you several stories. In fact, the guy who calls me once a month from IPM, Howard, 86 years of age, he was telling that in his church that he attends, that his son was visiting, and he was listening to the pastor's sermon, and he says, Dad, he said, I can show you on the Internet everything that was said. And it led to his dismissal. And I know several stories like that. Uh, defrauding other people, bankruptcy. When's the last time you've talked to somebody who went into bankruptcy who made everything right? As a Christian, we have an obligation to make sure that we do the right thing. And I could tell you again many stories, in fact some that would include people that are in my uh, office. Non-payment. You know, if we're, whether it's renting something or whether it's uh, paying on credit, we, we owe that payment. Income tax. You know, there's a big difference between aversion and evasion. The IRS has so many laws, we'll never know the number, but there are some laws that we can be aware of that allow us things like mileage deduction, and then if you're in the ministry, uh, like uh, Pastor Joseph and myself, there's a housing allowance. And it's something that we need to follow meticulously. Uh, there's, there's no place for stealing, even if it is a government that we think is not using that money in a wise way. There's embezzlement. Reputation. We steal people's reputation when we gossip. Borrowing something. You know, it's amazing how tools can grow legs. Books can grow legs. Unfair weights. Now here's one that happens and it's, uh, it's something that we pay for all the time. And it's uh, shoplifting. Now, the interesting thing about shoplifting is that the employees steal more than the outsider. And studies have shown they only catch about one in every 35 that takes something out of a store. I read a, a story about a, a local franchise of McDonald's. And today, it happens to be the leading moneymaker in the whole nation. And the local owner of this McDonald's, he just finally got fed up. And every morning when he comes in, he gets a count of everything. Straws, cups, hamburger patties. And when that store closes at night, every single item is counted. Guess what? His uh, profit went up by 30%. It's because people inside were taking more than those on the outside. Cheating, whether it's in sports or on tests. You know, the uh, computer age and the iPhones and so forth. I, I just can't imagine what it's like as a teacher today 
having to constantly be on top of the new inventions in the evil hearts of children on how they can cheat one another. Internet piracy. When we uh, download something that is supposed to cost something and we get it from somewhere else, we are stealing. Identity theft. Entitlements. Now, I'm thankful that we have a government that cares for those that have disabilities. I'm thankful that our government cares for those that are in true need. But I think you would agree with me that there's a lot of theft takes place because there's lying in order to receive. Now, here's one that is very dear to my heart. I'll admit before I even say anything that this is my pet peeve. Uh, the elders can vouch for this because I've complained numerous times about this, and that is time. When we do not show up on an agreed-upon time, we are stealing from other people. And we need to take that in consideration. If you're five minutes early, you're just on time. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if we didn't have people that we have to wait upon? Adultery. You see, adultery is a standalone, but when you connect it with stealing, we're stealing and taking something that doesn't belong to us. Side jobs. Are you, are you about fed up with the squiggling and kind of, oh man, this is uncomfortable. Well, I'm just about done. I know numerous people who uh, proudly talk about the side jobs where it's cash only so that it's uh, unrecorded. That is robbing from our government. And then lastly, robbing God himself, stealing from God. God wants us to be givers. He wants us to be cheerful about it. But when we keep back what belongs to him, it is robbing God. Since this section has been so tough, I'll end with a, a little story that uh, kind of relieves a little bit of the tension. On this whole idea of robbing God, there was this uh, farmer. And in the spring, he had this uh, calf that was born. And he just felt prompted to dedicate that calf to give to the Lord come fall. Well, as time went forward, this calf became a prize. I mean, a beautiful specimen within its breed. And it began to grow and to develop. And he just kept thinking, man, why did I dedicate that one? Why not the one that is kind of poor and sickly? And so he began to struggle over this. And so come October, he decided that he was going to keep that calf for himself, and he replaced it with another. The Lord had asked him to sell that calf and to give the money to the Lord. Well, come November, he was in church, and some of the old-timers here, like myself, will remember this particular song. But there was this song that had these words in it. And oftentimes choirs would sing the song. 
And that was the case as this farmer heard this song. It had this one phrase in the chorus, so it got, kept getting repeated. And it was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and how great and majestic that he is. And in this song, it would repeat this phrase, the half has never been told. Well, sitting where he was at and being under conviction, all he could hear was the calf has never been sold. And he felt so convicted. Well, we should be convicted each and every time that we steal either from God or others or even the government. Jeremiah said it well, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So whether it is computer hacking, credit card theft, carjacking, or whatever, we have an obligation as Christians to stop it and to not take what doesn't belong to us. Now, there's a lot of excuses. There's a lot of terminology that just kind of uh, relieves the guilt. Such things as, I made a mistake, or I made a bad decision, or I had an error in judgment. We don't want to use the word sin because that might indicate that I've crossed a line that God has established. So we come up with words that kind of soften the tone. Well, listen to what Romans chapter 2 says. Even if we don't have the Ten Commandments, we're still guilty. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. So lay aside the Ten Commandments. Even our own conscience tells us that it's not proper to take what is not ours. So what are some of the major excuses? Well, to start with, let's look at poverty. You know, sometimes we think, well, they're poor and we can overlook that. Or I am poor and we can overlook that. Well, the interesting thing about poverty is it's all relative. If you brought in Bill Gates and you compared me to him, I would be poor. But if you brought in someone from Nicaragua, I would be rich and they would be poor. So there's always somebody that has more than us and the Bible never excuses it. But we read this in Proverbs 6.30. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he's hungry. We, we override it and we excuse it if there's poverty involved. Another excuse is laziness. And, of course, we have a lot of that in our society. I, I am convinced that for the most part, we have done a very, very, very poor job as parents of the baby boomer generation especially. We have done a poor job of teaching children how to work, to have an ethic 
that understands that you have to earn things and you have to work hard and discipline yourselves for them. We read this in uh, the second book of Thessalonians. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Do you realize how that would just completely revolutionize the culture that we live in today? It would just truly make a big difference. A third example of um, coming up with excuses is drunkenness. Uh, folks, when we drink alcohol, our inhibitions go down. I always chuckle at that commercial. They don't play it anymore. It always say, know when to say when. Well, if I take one drink, I've already lost a little bit of how I can know when to say when. And the problem is, is it's usually directed at those people that really lose it. But we use drunkenness as an excuse for anger, theft, sexual promiscuity. And all of these are just excuses for something that the Bible calls sin. Fourthly, we say, well, they've got a illness. They've got a disease. You can't find anything in the scriptures that talk about this being something that happens because we have a disease. I will say this. We do have the disease of sin. And that's what causes us to violate God's rules. Fifthly and sixthly, government and philosophical. Uh, there are governments in our world today. And I might add that the country we live in is fast moving towards this, what we call socialism or communism. The difference between the early church and this particular form of government is this. The early church lived under what is called communism. Communism says what's mine is yours. Communism says what's yours is mine. It's a taker. And we excuse the theft under the guise of a governmental system. And then lastly, philosophical. Well, the end justifies the means. Situation ethics, excusing it and overriding it. Can't help but think of a comedian that most here probably have never heard of. His name was W.C. Fields. And W.C. Fields was noted as an as a antagonist to God. He didn't believe that you could even know God. Yet when it came time for his death, and he knew it was approaching, someone found him reading the Bible. After all those years of antagonism against God and the scriptures, he was reading the Bible. And they asked him, what are you doing? And as he was reading, he said this, which ought to really convict us. He said, I'm looking for loopholes. Brothers and sisters, when it comes to this particular 
commandment, there are no loopholes. It's a violation. And it's a very clear command. So I want to close with some uh, areas that we can look at that will help us understand how we can live. But first, why do we steal? It's because we have a longing in our heart or we have a lacking in our life that needs fulfilled. And I'd like to just close with four simple exhortations on how we can better live our life for the Lord. First of all, live right. Don't just preach right. If we preach it, don't steal, then we need to live it. Don't steal. In Romans chapter 2, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? Parents, you cannot tell your kids either to do something or not do something if they don't see you doing the same. Number two, suffer right. You know, a person could be in jail, but the main thing is why are they in jail? Peter identifies this when he says, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Now there's a world of difference. If you opened up the Frankenmuth News and you discovered that Pastor Joseph is in jail, stealing a car or preaching the truth of God's word on something, say, like same-sex marriage. If he's in there for the same-sex marriage, I mean, there ought to be revival breakout in this church and around the community because there's a man that has stood for God. But if it's for another reason it violates the scripture, the suffering is in vain. Suffer right. Thirdly, give right. Don't take things. One thing I, I really like that Dave Ramsey says, he says, you know, do this financially so that you can give like no other. It's not something for us to be selfish about. It's to help others. And listen to this admonition about stealing. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. Novel idea. Don't take, but work. Doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. See, there's that communism. What's mine is yours. And I'm willing to give it to others. And lastly, Confess right. Whatever happened to repentance? Whatever happened to coming clean? You find this in the book of Job. For has anyone said to God, I have borne punishment? I will not offend anymore. Teach me what I do not see. If I have done iniquity, I will do it no more. If a search warrant was issued, would your own personal life, your home, church, business, 
You fill in whatever area of your life is necessary. If there was a search warrant issued, would your life be a den of thieves? Would your business be a den of thieves? Would would there be evidence that thievery has taken place? The Bible says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. I'd like for you to all stand, and I want to close with a story of redemption. As you stand, you will be hearing a story about an individual who was just about as bad as bad could be when it comes to stealing. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now, tax collectors had an obligation to collect taxes for Rome, but Rome could care less whatever they could skim above that. So if they were to uh, receive 20% taxes from the individuals and they could put the heat on and get 35%, the 15% was theirs. That's why he was rich. Tax collectors were despised in Jewish culture. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was a small stature. That's why we sing that song, He Was a Wee Little Man. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, and I uh, would interpret this that uh, Jesus just knew his name, like he knows all of our names, even without ever meeting us. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. There was no time to go home and clean up, ladies. There was no time to go and kind of get rid of all that pile of stash that he had taken from other people. Uh, Right now, I want to go to your house. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. This is the Pharisees. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What we see in this beautiful story is repentance, restitution, and rejoicing where there had been guilt and shame and conflicting thoughts. As we close out this series, and in particular this message, if there's something 
that you owe, something that you have taken, and you have been kind of squirming in your insides because the Holy Spirit's been convicting, uh, my advice would be uh, do, do business with God. Get down out of that tree and invite Jesus to come into your home and, and get it right. And so let's pray as we close that God would minister to our hearts. Father, the simplicity of this command makes it so easy to understand, but yet it's very difficult to obey. And Father, I pray if there's areas of our lives that have been hidden, where we have taken something for nothing, we have either seized by force or we have done it stealthily, whether it be on previous years of reporting on our income to the government, or whether it has been getting sticky hands and picking up things that do not belong to us, may we realize that we're not a kleptomaniac, we're a sinner. And help us to be like Zacchaeus and scurry down the tree and invite Jesus into the, our home and our life. And may we be willing to restore and make restitution for that which we have taken. We pray this in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.